Welcome to the Leadership Window podcast with Dr. Patrick Jinks. Each week through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and a professional speaker. And now, here's Dr. Patrick Jinks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 77 of the Leadership Window. Thanks for coming along. Fall has fallen here in Columbia, South Carolina. I look out our window here and see beautiful colors on the trees and some leaves on the ground and got that nice, crisp coolness in the mornings and the evenings, but still warm enough during the days to get out and do some things. So I don't know. Fall could be my favorite season. It's not winter. I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like winter, but I do love fall. I hope uh, things are good in your part of the world, wherever you might be. Uh, this is episode 77. This show is now about two years old, just a little over two years old, which is just really cool. I just I, I can't say enough words of appreciation for all of the for you, the listeners, first of all, for making this a top rated show. And uh, for all the amazing guests that we have had, and some are lined up and scheduled for some uh, future episodes already, today is going to be one of those solo episodes. I have had a lot of board engagement coaching work lately. So, you know, I coach executives, um, I coach senior leaders, I coach boards on strategic planning and teams of managers on employee engagement, but I have been doing more and more board engagement coaching with boards and with board chairs and CEOs of organizations. So I thought I would slip in a solo episode with some key tenets of board engagement that may be of use to you. Things that have some of our clients are finding to be really helpful reminders and uh, fires lit under them, uh, practical tools, whatever. So we're going to get into that. Before we do, I've got three things I want to let you know about. I should do this more often, but for those of you listening, most of the listeners of this show are in the nonprofit sector. You're leading in the nonprofit sector. Not everyone is because we've got some corporate and business leaders who listen to this show just because it's about leadership and leadership transcends sectors in most ways. But most of the listeners to this program are in the social sector because we have social sector practitioners and we focus on things like fundraising or, you know, what's unique in HR in the nonprofit sector or how do we do succession planning in the nonprofit sector. So we focus a lot on it. And so for those of you that are, that do fit that mold, I want to tell you about two organizations. One of them, it, it really doesn't matter where you live and do your work. One of them is called BRI, formerly known as the Blue Ridge Institute. And it is a, a national, I don't know, it, I, I have difficulty sometimes describing what it is because it's, it's more than just an organization. Um, it's a consortium, I would say of social sector, senior leaders and people making impact in the social sector who come together once a year for a near week long leadership retreat, renewal, learning opportunity. It is unlike any other nonprofit conference you've probably been to. I can pretty confidently say that. It's a little bit quirky and uh, got some, you know, traditions. It's it's um, it's a cross between a leadership conference, a leadership camp, a retreat, a family reunion, a vacation. It's kind of all those things melded into one. People, not everyone, but some of the leaders that come bring their families and have for years. But it is really a time of connecting at a very deep level. So as loose and fun and casual as it is, it's really, really, really deep. We get into some deep conversations about all the things that really matter. We develop incredible relationships with one another. And there was a time when if you wanted to be a part of BRI, you had to be invited by someone. Well, I'm inviting you. So consider yourself invited if you are a senior leader in the social sector, 
um, we want to talk with you. And uh, I think you would could find great value in this. BRI is not for everyone. It's got a format that, you know, some people just don't find it to be the kind of professional development they're looking for. Others say this is transformational. And I will say it has been for me since about 2008 when I first attended. I haven't missed a year yet. I am a uh, past president of the organization, and now I'm not a senior leader in the nonprofit sector, but I am still working in the sector, and it's kind of once you're a ridger, we call ourselves ridgers, once you're a ridger, you're kind of always a ridger if you want to be, so I continue to come and just gain tremendous value from the experience. Um, if you're interested in all, if this little uh, spiel gives you any inspiration, I want to encourage you to go to blueridgeleaders.org, blueridgeleaders.org. Check it out. Um, we'll put the um, we'll put the link in on the show page too, in case you forget it and want to go back to it. The other organization, um, I'm based in Columbia, South Carolina, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and we have one of, if not the best, nonprofit state association in the country. And it re and I've I've heard some who are more experienced with other state associations say, no, it really is the best. I don't know. There's some good ones out there. This is this is at the top. The organization is called Together SC or Together South Carolina, and it it is um, the the construct of this association is so powerful because it is so peer based. We're learning from each other as much as we are from experts in the field across the country. And uh, it's just a powerful, highly active association. And if you are in South Carolina leading in the nonprofit sector and your nonprofit is not yet a member of Together SC, I just want to say, do it now. It's a no brainer. You absolutely should be. It is not an, un, an unaffordable investment. You get far more out of it than your investment. If you choose to, uh, the network, the best practices, the learning, the deep thinking, the thought leadership, the resources, the learning opportunity is just, um, it's really endless if you want to get involved. Um, the advocacy be, you know, you can increase your voice and become a bigger player in the sector just by associating yourself with the sector in a formal way. So um, go to togethersc.org to learn more about becoming a member of Together SC if you're not. And if you're a consultant listening to this uh, podcast and you serve nonprofits, go there as well because there is a consultant collaborative component to together sc uh, so we are i am for example a member of together sc as a member of the consultant collaborative so again even though i'm not a nonprofit leader in the sector i'm running my own business I am deeply engaged with the sector as a part of the consultant collaborative. We do things together to lift the sector. We gain value from, <clears throat> excuse me, from each other in the sector. And it's just a very powerful thing. So go to togethersc.org if you uh, want to learn more about that. And then the final thing before we get into board engagement is I don't always promote this, but for those of you that listen to this show regularly, you may also be interested in our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is very different than this. We put up about every other week, uh, basically the off weeks when we're not doing the podcast episode, we put up uh, five minute videos uh, and they're just coaching videos and they are on all kinds of topics, practical topics on leadership, delegation, the difference between leadership and management. Uh, we've highlighted some cool software tools for nonprofits. We've talked about uh, board engagement like we're going to talk about today. We've got a number of videos on the channel around board engagement. And uh, so just check it out. Best place to go to that is our own website, jinxperspective.com, J-I-N-K-S perspective.com. And uh, there's a link right in the main menu for YouTube. And you get there and you go to the channel, subscribe to it. You'll get all the notifications when we drop new episodes and uh, if you if you don't when you don't have time for you know a thirty minute to one hour 
podcast episode and you're starting your morning or you're on your phone or in your office at your computer, you can take five minutes and go through these coaching videos. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of great value in there. So I wanted to promote that. There's a reason that there's a number of board engagement episodes on the YouTube channel. And that is because it's a big deal. It's a big topic in the sector. As I said at the beginning, I'm doing a lot of an, an increased amount of board engagement coaching, working w directly with boards in full, coaching them, you know, one hour, two hours, four hours at a time, coaching uh, the CEOs on how to create and foster board engagement, coaching CEOs with their board chairs on how to lead their boards and create plans. So because it is so much of a need and a topic and a challenge in the sector, I thought I would pause and and uh, create an episode on this. So let me, let me get right into some content. I don't want to be long or, or winded. Let me start by saying that, interestingly enough, when we do self-assessments, when we administer self-assessments for our nonprofits, we have a tool called the five by five organizational assessment. It's five major pillars of nonprofit excellence, each of which have five components under them. So there's 25 elements of effective nonprofits that we have a tool where nonprofits can measure themselves on those 25 components consistently. And by consistently, I mean, <clears throat> probably 95 times out of a hundred, Board engagement, which is one of the 25, ranks either last or second or third to last on the 25. Sorted high to low, when organizations assess themselves, and these are boards assessing their own organization, board engagement consistently falls in the bottom three, if not the very bottom, every single time. It's, it's really become quite a revelation and an insight for me and, and those that have done it, how frequently that one of the 25 elements crops up as the greatest need. And it varies. Sometimes it's ranked last, but still fairly high because all the, they, you know, they rate all 25 of them high. Uh, sometimes it's last and it's, it re, it truly is in the deficient category. So when we ask board members, why, why, why do you put board engagement last? You know, why, why do you feel this board is not engaged? One of the things I can tell you is that what it's not, it's not because they don't care. It's not because they don't have time, believe it or not. A lot of people guess that. They go, oh, I bet the number one reason is people say they don't have time. Nope, that's not it. The number one reason, and, and this happens over and over when I literally ask the board point blank in the room, the number one reason, and it comes up quick, is we don't know how. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the organization really wants from us. So we don't feel, what they're saying is, we don't feel as engaged as we would like to or that we would be willing to. We know to come to board meetings. Maybe we even know that we're asked or, or expected to serve on a committee of the board. So we come to our committee meetings. Maybe we even go to the annual meeting or the gala, or the golf tournament. You know, we do those sort of minimum things. Maybe we even write a check to the organization. I hope that's the case if you're a board member. But beyond that, we just, you know, we're spending a whole year of board membership. Yeah, okay, we have between six and 12 meetings maybe. Um, and that's about it. The, the engagement sort of stops there, and we don't know what else the organization wants from them. So that's what we hear from the boards. What we hear often from the CEOs is, man, my board just, I just, I need to get a more engaged board. I got to find out how to get them more engaged. They're just not very engaged. Like they won't respond. They won't participate. I, there's only three or four of them that I can really count on. So I hear the lamenting from the staff side often. And on the board side, I just hear, we don't really know what to do. So, um, the, the first thing I would like to share with you today to think about this stuff is define board engagement for your organization. Have your board define board engagement. What do we even mean by it? We can't say we have high board engagement or low board engagement. 
or that we want board engagement if we don't even know what it is. So let's define it. Now, I'll give you our definition of it at the Jinx perspective. If it helps, if it gives you a starting point, a point of reference, you can embrace and adopt this definition if you like. I happen to like it. I think it covers a lot of ground. Um, engagement definitions are a little bit like leadership definitions. There's a lot of them and they're all good. Most of them are good. <laughs> There's a lot of good ones. Let's put it that way. So here's our definition of board engagement. Actually, before I give it to you, let me share with you what our definition of employee engagement is because it relates. So hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Employee engagement is another term many organizations have heard. They don't really know what it is. We think board engage, we think employee engagement is an we have an employee of the month program and we have a monthly potluck and we have a, a ping pong table in the break room and we have a Keurig, you know, like we do all these things. Maybe we even have an onsite childcare center, but none of those things are board engagement, uh, employee engagement. None of those things, all of those things are job satisfaction enhancers. These are things that the organization is trying to give to the employee. So job satisfaction is about what an employee gets from their job. Employee engagement is about what employees give to their job. It's about the level of contribution back to the organization. So it's a very different thing. And so we define employee engagement like this, that employee engagement is the, a measure of the physical, intellectual, and emotional commitment that employees consistently demonstrate to the organization and its mission. Let me say it again, it's kind of lengthy. Employee engagement is a, is a level of physical, intellectual, and emotional commitment that employees consistently demonstrate to their organization and its mission. So we ask when we're doing employee engagement coaching, we ask what does physical commitment look like? Well, maybe I'm the first one in and the last one to leave. Maybe I'm highly energetic. Um, maybe I go over and above. Maybe I physically engage with others. I walk around, I move around, I make it intentional to be a part of the organization at levels beyond my desk. Examples of physical commitment. Uh, what does intellectual commitment look like from an employee? Pretty, pretty simple if you think about it. It's, am I really giving my, my best? Am I bringing my best intellect to solving problems, to creatively uh, generating new ideas and being innovative, to take initiative, to add value, um, to do things and, and frame things that no one else in the organization can do and frame intellectual commitment. What does emotional commitment look like from an employee? Well, you know, it, again, it might be that high energy. Maybe they are infectious in a way that inspires other people. And you can tell that they have a passion for the work that they do. And you've seen this, you've seen the opposite of it, but you know, when someone is emotionally committed and engaged, we could go all into self-determination theory and about how employees want to feel related. You know, they want to feel a sense of identity with their organization. You see that by seeing these commitments, physical, intellectual, and emotional. Okay. Now here's our board engagement definition. It's the exact same thing. It's the level of physical, intellectual, and emotional commitment that board members consistently demonstrate toward their organization and its mission. Again, once more, board engagement is the level of physical, intellectual, and emotional commitment that board members consistently demonstrate toward the organization and its mission. So when we're coaching boards and we ask them, okay, what does physical commitment look like from a board member? They always start with, well, they come to the meetings. Yeah, if you can't, if you're having a tough time getting a quorum at your board meetings, you don't have a lot of physical engagement or physical commitment to the organization. They're just simply not showing up. But then it goes to a deeper level because many of them show up, they're in attendance, but they're not fully present. 
They're not engaged in the conversation. They're sort of disconnected. They're, they're fulfilling their obligatory role of being there and forming a quorum, but they aren't really fully present. Physical commitment can be writing a check to the organization. It can be those things like we talked about earlier, attending the golf tournament and representing the organization around the community, um, volunteering in other ways. Intellectual commitment, that's that intellectual capital that we hope board members bring to the table. When we recruit you know, attorneys and physicians and manufacturing plant managers and bankers and nonprofit executives and all these things. We do that because they bring unique talent, intellect, expertise to the table. We want that engaged. It's, it doesn't help us just to have the name of an expert on the list. It only helps us if that expertise is actually being applied. What does emotional commitment look like on the part of a board member? Well, maybe it's, again, it's that passion for the mission. You can see it. You can hear it in the tone. They're champions and ambassadors around the community. Sometimes emotional commitment is the bravery of of expressing righteous indignation at a board meeting over a particular direction that we think the organization is heading, that we think is bad. So emotional commitment is that is that passion it's it's um it's adding the human component um to the dimension of formality yeah, we're professionals and we're business people and here's the logical side and the all, all of that but there needs to be an emotional side brought to the table just like when we do fundraising there has to be a logical case and there also has to be a heartstring pulled there has to be an emotional touch so start by defining it. That's how we define board engagement because it's, it's specific enough that it defines that it is a commitment and that you, there should be things that you can see when it happens, but it's broad enough to be able to include all kinds of activities and behaviors that you might put in there. I'm going to pause here too and say that I was at a board retreat once. I was facilitating a board retreat once. We were talking about board engagement and a board member stood up and said, we don't want an engaged board. That's not what we want here. I was taken aback a bit and the rest of the board members kind of tilted their heads like puppies and looked at this person like, what? Say more. And I said, yeah, say more, explain. And what this board member said was they had previously been an executive director of a nonprofit. And she said, I have had an engaged board and I never want one again. And I don't wish that on any executive director. I said, please explain what was, what was undesirable. And she went into micromanagement and how this board, this organization that she directed at some point in her career, her board was just on her about everything. They were watching, they were hovering. They were, they were a helicopter board. You know, they were just constantly hovering, questioning everything, getting involved in everything, uh, usurping her authority, making decisions on her behalf without her, you know, just really gave all the toxic things you can think about, about a micromanaging board. And I I said, it's interesting that you are making that synonymous with board engagement. So here was someone who had defined board engagement differently. Was she wrong? No, not according to her definition of board engagement. This is why it's important to define it. If the board understands that board engagement does not equal micromanagement. Okay. Now we're ready to talk about board engagement. So just, just define it. If you've got a different definition, just ask yourself, what is it you want out of your board and define board engagement from there? Let me go to the next tenant. Um, and I don't usually like to give tips on stopping something. I, I always, I, I love appreciative inquiry. I like the idea of starting something or doing something positive, not stopping something negative. I won't go into it. the whole psychology behind it, but I am going to give two stops here. Stop excusing them. Stop excusing your board. I hear that all the time. Well, they're volunteers. I hear that all the time. Well, we can't really expect our board. You know, they are after all just volunteers. Yes. And they volunteered. (laughs) They volunteered to become directors of the organization. That's why it's called a board of directors. Think about the term. What should that mean? Board of directors. They should be directing something. 
Uh, now, some of you may have board of trustees. Okay, we can debate that too. We can go into what a trustee actually means. But it's still in that case, they volunteered to be a trustee, which I might be able to synonymize with steward. They have agreed and stepped up and volunteered to be stewards of the organization. It's mission promise. But your board of directors, they are the governing body of the organization. I know you know this, but I'm just saying, I'm repeating it. I want you to hear it out loud again and juxtapose that with, well, they're, they're volunteers. Yeah. They volunteered to be part of the governing body of the organization. So either they're committed to it or they're not. By volunteering, they're saying, yes, I'm committed to it. We, we won't go into, can you fire board members and all the answers? Yes. And you know, we, this is not going to be an episode about that. I just want to make the point that we should not excuse our boards. Well, they're busy. You know, we have people on our boards who they're, uh, they're just doing so many other things in the community. They have big jobs in their companies. And yeah, that's why you got them. But don't excuse them for that. They volunteered for this. And so as the governing body of the organization, they have, you've heard these terms, a duty of care and a duty of loyalty that they have signed up for. It's a legal one. They are ultimately accountable for mission achievement and all of the ethical, healthy, efficient, and effective behaviors that make that up along the way. They are ultimately accountable for it. It is not the CEO. CEO is not the, the buck does not stop at the CEO. It just doesn't. It legally doesn't. And so don't excuse them. They've got a responsibility. Now, all that being said, we have to help them. We do have to help them fulfill that responsibility. We have to help them help us. All right. You say, well, it shouldn't be that way. Maybe not. Maybe they should just all know what to do and jump in and give 110%. But they don't. And again, why? Because they don't know how. We have to shape that path for them. I'll get to that a little bit in a minute. So stop excusing them. Second, stop giving your board members easy outs when you're recruiting them. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I've experienced it. I've actually been guilty of it earlier in my career where we're, we've got a board member, we take him to lunch and we're trying to ask him to come on the board and our case for them coming on the board either, either is made up completely of this or at least includes this. And that is there. You don't have to do much. <laughs> we're asking you to come on our board. You don't, we're not asking you to overcommit here. We only have six board board meetings a year. Our bylaws demand that board members come to at least three of them. We'd like for you to serve on a committee, but you can take a year or two to decide on that. Um, but that's really all, all, all we really want. Well, when you give them easy outs up front and you create this expectation so that they'll say yes, then don't complain when they give you what you asked for. <laughs> they come to three meetings, not six, because you told them they only had to come to three. And even if they come to six, they're not doing much else because you haven't given them anything else to do. You've laid an expectation of it's easy to serve on our board. And I want to encourage you to flip that turn that around, um, establish strong expectations up front that actually inspire someone to say yes, because they can see what a meaningful, relevant, significant, engaging experience it will be to serve on your organization's board. So showing them what your board is really made of and what we were really looking to you for, why we called on you and took you to lunch is because we need this. That actually I am finding, have found, is more inspiring to a potential board member than it is deterrent. We want to try to inspire them by telling them all the things they don't have to do. That's not inspiring. That makes my organization look weak. Um, it makes me think that the board is just a perfunctory entity doing perfunctory things. 
give them a reason to think this board is meaningful. People want meaning. They want to contribute to something that's meaningful. So don't give them easy outs and don't excuse them. Now, let me get to the next tenant. I wrote an article a few years ago for Forbes um, about the whose job is board engagement. And you get differing opinions on these. And you, when you hear mine, you may agree with it. You may disagree with it. I'm just, it's the jinx perspective. So I'm just going to give you what I've seen in my estimation, in my opinion, and in my experience, the, the number one person responsible for board engagement is the CEO or the executive director of the organization. I didn't used to think that I used to actually think it was the board chairs. Ultimately, if I had to pin it on one person and, and then I would say, well, it's actually, it's the responsibility of the board to engage themselves. I mean, I just got through saying they are the governing body. They have a duty of care and loyalty. They volunteered for this. Got it. But in practice, it doesn't happen <laughs> very rarely because again, they don't fully know what to do. And it's not because they're stupid. These are smart people we put on our boards. They just don't know what you need them to do in the organization. They are volunteers. So they're not paid to get up every morning thinking about how they're going to contribute value to your organization. They have something to say grace over that they're accountable for back in their professional worlds. Um, but we've got to shape a path for them. And the best person positioned to do that is the CEO. And when I, when I, um, when I framed this out in my Forbes article, I gave three reasons. There's probably more, but I'll, I'll tell you the three reasons. I think it's the CEO. Number one, the CEO's leadership transcends board terms and shapes the culture over the long term. Now, a board member might be there for three years. A board chair is usually there for one year in that role. The CEO is the continuity, the one who's there, who's, whose tenure transcends whatever term your elected board positions are. And they are the ones shaping the culture because they are the ones full-time in it, which leads to number two. The CEO is the one who has the time and the expertise and knowledge to shape a better path for the board. The CEO is in the best position to know what the organization needs and when. The CEO is the one who has the circle, the full circle of connections and relationships for the organization, not each individual board member. And number three, the board looks to the CEO as its leader, even though the CEO reports to them. Let me say that one again. The board looks to the CEO as its leader, even though the CEO reports to them. How many times have you seen this? You're in a board meeting, you're, you're in a dilemma, you've got a situation, there's a decision to make, and everybody looks at the CEO and goes, what do you think, John? What do you think, Sue? They look to the CEO as their leader, even though they technically and legally supervise the leader. So now ideally, yes, the CEO and the board chair work in concert. The, the board chair is as committed to creating a path to engagement as anyone. But the practical reality of it is if the CEO slash executive director is not intentionally and actively creating a pathway of engagement, a very intentional specific pathway for board members to walk, they're not going to walk it because they don't know the pathway. They can't see it. It's not their everyday world. They don't know what to do. Many of them don't want to step in and overstep their bounds. They know that they're not supposed to micromanage. So they sit and they wait to be asked. And this is one of the biggest things I would say about board engagement. If you've got board members sitting around waiting to be asked, that's a tragedy. <laughs> and it is, it's, it's not, it's okay. It's, you're not alone. It's a matter of bandwidth and we just have not sort of created that culture for them, but it's a real missed opportunity. Think about the asset that is your board. 
collectively and individually the assets that are your board. You want to seize those assets. It's why you got them. It's like hiring a super talented employee and then not getting the most out of them. You know, giving them work that helps them underperform because they're not, they're not challenged. They're not using all of their skills. There's not a place for their true gifts and talents to really make room for themselves and add value to the organization. It's the same with your board. Um, we have to actually shape that path for them. So, but remember, board chairs come and go. The CEO remains over a longer period to train, to shape, to cultivate those relationships and, and behaviors. So um, there's my take on who it is. Now let's get into some of the, the things that CEOs can think about. And again, what I want to say, I use this term a lot. I use this phrase a lot. I probably overuse it, but I just like it. It's visual for me and it makes sense. The CEO has to shape a path. Um, I often equate it to um, a grocery store. You walk into a grocery store. It is very strategically laid out. They want you to go to the back of the store to get your milk. Why? You know the answer because they want you to walk through more of the store. They want you to pass more product. They want you to spend more time. The really smart stores will put the little baskets at the end of each aisle. So just in case you forgot or you're walking down an aisle and go, oh yeah, I've really been wanting some crunchy peanut butter. I keep forgetting it's right here, but my hands are already full with milk and eggs. Ah, well, here's a nice basket for you. You could just go ahead and add to your order. That's path shaping. That's the epitome of path shaping. I remember um, when we, back in my United Way days, that pledge form that we hand out to all the employees when we go into companies and we ask employees to contribute to United Way, we give them that pledge form. That pledge form is a path shaper or it's part of the path. So if it's dry and dull and just says name, rank, serial number, amount you'd like to contribute, Blah, blah, blah. Okay. But if the path is easy and you've got that big, bold box, that check box with a, you know, that says, yes, exclamation mark. I want to support my community. Um, and you make it easy for them to say yes. That's path shaping. So when we say path shaping for board engagements, exactly what we're talking about. How are you making it easy for them? to say yes, easy for them to engage, easy for them even to take initiative. It sounds counterintuitive. If, if they're self-initiating, we shouldn't have to shape the path. But we literally can shape a path that creates a culture of initiation where they are inspired to take initiative because, they, because it's part of the culture. They can feel it. They can see it. They know that it's the way this board does things. It's the way this organization works. So you've got to shape the path. Um, here is something else I just want to really emphasize, and it's one word, specificity. Specificity. Uh, be specific. Don't just say, we want you to be engaged. We want you to show up for stuff. <laughs> um, don't just say, well, we want you to, we want you to be brand ambassadors. Okay, that's a little more specific. Well, we want you to, um, we want you to help us with resource development. We want you to connect us with your circle of potential donors. All right. That's a little more specific. How might we be more specific than that? Let's take that one as an example. So board members often wonder, is this a fundraising board? Do I have to, do I have to raise money? They'll often ask that at the recruit meeting, by the way, and we want you to serve on our board. Well, do I have to raise money? I've seen that question many times. They, and, and sometimes it's not because they don't, they will say no if the answer is yes. It's just they want to know. They want to know the expectation. Is this, is this a fundraising board? And what I always say is that boards ought to be, you, I don't know if fundraising board is what you want to use. I'm not a big fan of the term fundraising myself. But um, what you really want board members to understand is that resource development, 
the assurance that this organization has the resources it needs to accomplish its mission ultimately falls on the board. Ultimately. So what does that mean? Does that mean I have to cold call? I don't know. Maybe it just means you need to make your own contribution, a meaningful one. Maybe it means you need to be a part of strategic discussions and conversations that identify and articulate opportunity in the community. Maybe it means that you uh, leverage your decision-making capability in your own company to have the company provide a resource and value. Maybe it is, I will call on three people this year that I know and ask them to make a significant contribution. There's a full continuum of things, but notice how much more specific those were. So I can say, okay, board members, we want you just a reminder. We're expecting everyone to help connect us to your circle. And they walk out and go, okay. But what if the CEO picked up the phone and called Bill on the board and said, Bill, we've been trying for a number of years to get John to contribute to the campaign. He's a wealthy individual. He's got connections. His company is strong. Our work aligns with, with some of what we know to be his interests. We just don't seem to have the relationship. And we know that you do. We know that you golf with John. Would you be willing to see if you can get John to sit down with me and maybe you and maybe our board chair to just have a conversation about what we're doing? That's a specific ask, a very specific ask. We want you, Bill, to call John, your wealthy friend that you play golf with. And we're not asking you to ask John for $10,000. We're asking you to ask John if he's willing to go to lunch with us and learn more about what we're trying to do and how he might be able to connect to it. That's the ask. See how specific that is? Be specific. Even when we ask boards, we'll go through coaching workshops and we'll ask boards, what are some things you think board members should be doing? And we will hear, I will often hear the very conceptual level. Well, we should be, you know, we should be advocates. Yes, you should. Now give me a specific example of what that looks like. You know, maybe it's that um, last week was a great opportunity when we had our town council meeting about waiving the property tax for nonprofits on their buildings, we would love to have had our board there represented. Well, did, did we ask, did we specifically ask in a way that made it easy for board members to say, yeah, I'll show up for that. I'll speak up on the, on, on behalf of the organization for that. Now that's going to lead to the next thing. Another don't. All right. Another stop. Stop doing what doesn't work to engage your board. I hear this all the time. I send emails to my board all the time and they never respond. Guess what that means? It means it really, you can only conclude one thing that it means. You can assume some other things, but you can only definitively conclude one thing from that. Again, the statement was, I send emails to my board all the time and no one ever responds. Now, I could assume that they don't care. I could assume they get too many emails. I could assume what they assume, that they think someone will respond so they don't have to. All those are assumptions. The one thing I know for sure is that what I'm doing isn't working. It's the only thing I know for sure. <laughs> Sending e- mass emails to the board, telling them about things and asking them for a mass response isn't working. It does for some organizations. It doesn't for most. So, you know, I couldn't get anyone to come to our annual meeting. And we had a keynote that we had spent money on and we had lots of donors. We were trying to, we had all these results we wanted to share with the community and I couldn't even get our board to show up. I sent it, I sent three emails asking them to come to the annual meeting. Okay. Got it. So that didn't work. What else might you try? The question's that simple. That doesn't work. You got to come to grips with that. Stop doing what doesn't work that you've already shown doesn't work 
and keep doing it and complaining and lamenting that they just don't respond. I can't believe this. I tried again and they didn't respond. <laughs> we do this all the time and they don't respond. I'm like, why do you keep doing it all the time? It never works. So here's an example. What if we picked up the phone? Oh, but Patrick, I've got 25 board members. You know how many phone calls that would be? I'm like, you know, one, two, three, should be about 25. Yeah, about 25 phone calls. That's right. Yep. 25 phone calls. Pick up the phone. Call Bill. Bill, our annual meeting's coming up. Um, would you be willing to introduce our keynote speaker? I really want our board representative. You're so good at a microphone. Um, I think, you know, because this person is coming to talk about, you know, micro lending and you're a banker, you know, it just kind of makes a good fit. Could, could, could you introduce our, our speaker or, um, call up a board member and say, you know, Melissa, we have at our annual meeting, we're going to do a breakout discussion where we're facilitating tabletop conversations and we're looking for board members to be table facilitators. Could you come and do that? So now I've not sent out some mass email saying, Hey, we hope board members will show up at our annual meeting. Cause we need a good show. What I'm doing now is I'm inviting them to play a meaningful role at that meeting. Now, will you get 25 people to say yes? Do you have 25 specific roles for them to play? Maybe not, but you might get eight, <laughs> you know, you might get half, uh, you, you might, you might get, certainly you, you will likely get more than you're getting. Cause what you're telling me is you're not getting anybody right now. They're not responding to those. Um, I've seen CEOs and, um, and board chairs work together so well that at a board meeting, they have prepared this and they have sort of gotten in sync with each other. And the board chair makes a very specific ask at the board meeting and they ask for hands. Would you raise your hand if you're willing to come and serve at the ticket counter for our, our gala next month? Need, need to show a hands, need to capture some, some names here. Put them on the spot, make the ask, make it direct, make it specific. Don't let them walk out and say, well, I didn't know what you wanted me to do. Like I've never been at the gala. I, 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 nobody asked me to do anything. We say this all the time about our donors. What's the number one reason people don't give to your organization? I'll wait. Yeah, they aren't asked. The number one reason they are not asked. They're not going to give. I mean, unless they've got some real you know, personal connection and, and their own intention and interest for giving, they're, they're not going to give if, if they're not asked to give. Uh, that's just kind of how that works. Um, you, do you know what the number one reason is that someone doesn't trust someone else? Number one reason, and by far, by the way, there's not even a close second, nowhere near the top reason. Top reason, someone doesn't trust someone else. I'll wait. I get lots of responses on this. I get, well, you know, they burned me in the past or they're, they're just, they're unethical or whatever. Nope. Number one reason that someone doesn't trust someone else is they don't know them well enough to trust them. It's all about the knowledge if I don't know what to do, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I don't know what it is. And I know we think that, that they should know. They just should know, but they don't. They're bankers. They're attorneys. They're manufacturers. They're entrepreneurs. They're not nonprofit board members as a profession, as a vocation, as a training. We have to teach them and help them and show them how to engage. If we do that, they will. They will. And if they don't, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. I'm going to let you finish that sentence. <laughs> if we're fully shaping the path to engagement and we have board members who just aren't going to walk the path, I'm going to let you finish that. Um, let me get to the next one. Uh, change your meetings, your board meetings. If you don't feel your board meetings are highly engaged and you're getting highly engaged board contribution in your meetings, you have to change your meetings. You can't keep running the same meeting and going, man, they just, I can't get them engaged. They just sit and they just say yes to everything we throw at them. 
they kind of nod, maybe ask a question or two, but man, we can't get them to think innovative. We can't get them to be generative and strategic and really think about things. You have to change your meetings. What does that mean? Change our meetings. You mean the time? I don't know. Maybe you have to change your time when no one's coming to your meetings and it's just, you've picked a bad time. Like Wednesday evenings just don't work for you. Well, change them to Thursday afternoons. That that's fine. What I'm talking about is they're there. They're just not highly engaged. You got to change your meeting. I'll give you a couple of ways to, to think about that. First of all, I say this all the time. I apologize for any of you who are my, you know, like my, that I coach on a regular basis. Uh, you'll hear this so many times. Um, create an agenda of objectives, not an agenda of topics. Picture your board agenda. Normally, what we see is now introductions, finance report, campaign report, program report, you know, approval of minutes, whatever, boom, 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 topics. And we say, these are, these are things we're going to talk about. We're going to give a report and then we're going to talk about them. All right. What do you want to walk out of this meeting having achieved that you wouldn't have achieved without the meeting? That's the question. Let me ask it again. Think about your next board meeting. What do you want to walk out of that board meeting having achieved, not discussed? What do you want to walk out of that board meeting having achieved that you could not have achieved without that board meeting? You got to, we got to think long and hard about these questions because we don't. We don't pause and ask that question. We just say, oh, board meeting's coming up on the 15th. We need to have an agenda. We need, we need to make sure the finance report gets out to the treasurer a week in advance. And we need to make sure they have the board packet at least three days before so that the consent agenda goes quickly. And we need to make sure that John is there to give the campaign report. And we need, and it's all this, you know, topics, topics, topics. We've got to cover down on all the bullet points rather than the meeting on the 15th is going to advance the ball for this organization here, here, and here. And here's how it's going to do it. Here's what we need from the board to make that happen. So sometimes that achievement, that, that objective is just to educate. Okay. If the objective is our board has expressed a need or a desire, or we have recognized a need or desire for our board members to know more about what we're doing, we're going to have, um, we're going to carve out a part of our board meeting to do an education session. We're going to walk through this core program of ours and make sure everybody understands it because we have board members who just don't really understand what we do. All right. That's a fair objective. Now, how will you measure whether or not you've achieved it? I could ask you that, but at least it's an objective. It's not just a topic. Don't put topics on your agenda, put objectives that we want to walk out having identified an ad hoc committee to lead our capital campaign. We want to walk out of this meeting having made a key decision on a strategic um, option that has been on the plate. We want to leave this meeting with an approved budget. We want to leave this meeting having identified four people to um, recruit to our board. We want to leave this meeting, um, you name it, but think about what it is you want to accomplish with the meeting, not just what you want to talk about and report on during the meeting. Change your meetings. The less you can report out to your board and the, the less you can talk to them and report to them, the more time you have for them to talk to you and to each other about important things. Um, I did a, sir, I did a, a small body of research uh, back in 2018 when I was writing my strategic planning book. I surveyed a hundred nonprofits across the country and different kinds. So we had chambers, we had social services, we had, you know, arts and foundations, all, all, all nonprofits. And we asked them a number of different things. One of the things we asked was how often does your board meet on average? The answer was six. That was the average. So some meet quarterly, some monthly, whatever. Six was the average. Then I asked, how long are your board meetings? Not including the amount of time it takes to eat breakfast or lunch or dinner. Average, one hour. That's about the average answer. So, okay, let's do some quick math here before we move on. That's how many hours a year 
that boards are meeting together. Now, the not counting committee time and all that, granted, but just board meeting time, that's an average of six hours a year. I'm just, I, I like to pause on that and let that sink in for just a minute. The governing body that has the duty of care and loyalty for the organization, the governing body with whom the buck stops, who's ultimately accountable for achieving a big social promise to the community, meets together for an average of six hours a year. Now, it gets worse. The next question we asked in the survey was, how much of that hour would you say is spent at the strategic and generative levels versus the perfunctory operational levels? 87 of the 100 nonprofits said less than half. Now, let's go back to our math. Less than half of six is less than three. So let me make the statement again. I want to, I want to really ring clear. I want to say it out loud and make it, make it really think about it in your ears. On average, not this isn't your board we're talking about. We, I don't know your board. But on average, the nonprofit board spends less than three hours a year engaged in strategic generative work in their meetings, conversation, objectives, decisions, ideas. Less than three hours a year. Change your meetings. Can't say it any, can't say it any better than that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up here. I'm going to sum this up by this. You have to make it intentional. That's really the bottom line to all this. Board engagement has to be intentional and somebody somewhere has to be intentional about it. Now, my position is that that somebody is the CEO. If it's someone else in your organization, great. But somebody has to do it. It's probably the executive director. Here's what we mean by make it intentional. Raise your hand for just you because we can't see it. Raise your hand if your organization operates on a strategic plan. Most do. I think most organizations have some kind of plan they're operating off of. All right, raise your hand if you have a finance plan. What's a finance plan? Well, at least a budget. That's a plan. A budget is a plan. Raise your hand if you have a budget. Um, raise your hand if you have an investment plan, you know, for your, for your mutual funds or however you're investing long-term dollars. Do you have a plan for that? Raise your hand if you have a marketing plan. Does your organization operate off a marketing plan? Um, you know, whether you're working with a, a, an external marketer or you have a staff person inside, so, you know, e even a social media calendar, right? That's a, that's partly a marketing plan. Most of us have something that we're operating off of. I hope <laughs> some don't, uh, does your organization have a resource development plan? Is there a plan each year for how your organization is going to raise its resources? What about your program plan? Do your programs have plans to, to you know, structures? Well, the, the point here is that we have those kinds of plans. Why don't we have a leadership plan? Why do more CEOs not have a documented plan for how they're leading the organization? And that leads me to this. Does your organization have a board plan? What do you mean board plan? Any kind of board plan. Do you have a recruitment plan? Do you have a development plan? Do you have an education plan for your board? Do you have an engagement plan for your board? Like, are you, is someone sitting going, here's how we're going to do this. Here are the levers we're going to pull. Here are the steps we're going to take. Here are the asks we're going to make. And here's who, and here's when here are the elements we need from our board. And here's who we're going to ask to help us go and get it and engage it. And here's how we're going to shape the path. We have a path shaping plan. What's your board plan? What would make your board say, wow, at the end of a year, man, we had a plan and we did it. Like, look what we've accomplished. Look how much stronger this board is. Look at the culture we've created. Look at the strength of this board. Look at the 
off the chart engagement we're getting. Well, my contention is that you have a plan to do that has to be intentional, literally a written plan for board engagement, just like you have written plans for everything else. I'm going to stop. That is like, we're, we're right at an hour on the episode. I'm going to stop right there. Just kind of some food for thought. Go to our YouTube channel. There's some, there's some tips uh, there, you know, everything from creating the board agenda to the types of board capital. When you're looking at developing your board, we got all kinds of topics on board leadership on our YouTube channel. So again, go back to uh, jinxperspective.com and uh, just click on the YouTube uh, link in the main menu and check it out. And by the way, I, this show, I've never used this show to sell things, but again, we, this is what we do. We do board coaching and board engagement, coaching and training, executive coaching and training. So if you think I can be of help or a resource to you, uh, reach out to us. You can do that through our website too. Thanks for listening to me rant and rave. I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope it's at least provoked your thought a little bit. My real hope is that it's made you just a tad uncomfortable here and there. I really hope that's the case because that's what really moves us forward. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Lead on.